Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, hi, and welcome to a replay episode of the podcast. And it's a replay... I actually, truthfully, hadn't thought about resharing until very, very recently. Actually, it was a couple of days ago. I had something else scheduled, a new episode, and I thought the time is right for me to reshare this one. So it's with Alex Light, and Alex Light is a journalist, a body confidence activist, and now an author who is also a friend of mine. I've known her for a few years now, and she's someone I formed a really close bond with over body image and eating issues and many other sort of of those convoluted subjects because we've both really struggled with our weight and eating issues and how we feel about how we look. She has been unbelievably helpful to me, being there for me when I was probably at my lowest on my own journey. And I was always so impressed at how whatever I threw at her, whatever dark thought I felt confident enough to share, I was always really impressed that she knew the right thing to say to minimize that bad feeling and to make me feel less helpless. So the reason I'm revisiting this episode is because Alex's new book, You Are Not a Before Picture, was published this week. And I know that she poured everything into that book in order to help anyone at any point on their own journey. And having had firsthand experience of how she helped me, I just am delighted to share this. So when the book arrived, actually, came through my letterbox and I thought, I'm just going to re-listen to the conversation I had with Alex um, as I was flicking through the chapters and everything. And it's actually a real eye-opener for me because that conversation with Alex, and it was recorded back in May 2019, I believe, it was the first time I was ever really tackling this subject on the podcast because... It's a big topic and also it was one that at the time felt like it was really gathering pace and I was very much like, oh, I hadn't even realised we were talking this way. And I can really hear how nervous I am. I hadn't faced up really to any of my own demons at this point and so I was very much still in the thick of all of those toxic thoughts and feelings. And I was months away, I think it was about four months later that I hit my lowest with everything after my breast reduction surgery. And I can hear even in how I introduced the conversation, that I have no idea where to begin or how to start the conversation with Alex. And I was listening to it thinking, oh my goodness, woman, just ask your first question. In my mind, the whole thing was just a huge tangle of thoughts and feelings that if you sort of got too close to them might bite you or give you a shock because I guess I thought it was normal to struggle with your weight, hate how you look and feel different all the time. 
I can even feel my discomfort when I was re-listening to this as I tried, tried to choose the right words to articulate my thoughts and feelings. And I, I can hear the panic at potentially saying the wrong thing because this is a subject where if you do say the wrong thing, you can get cancelled. So it was, I can, I can just hear all of that. And I guess if I'm honest at the time, I was really jealous of how confident Alex was and just hoped that I could someday get to a similar place. And look, three years have passed since this conversation and we have both been on our own journeys. She was obviously quite a long way down hers and is still on her journey. And I've made significant progress since we had this conversation. And as Alex actually texted me this week, we've come a long way, which I really... I really feel and I appreciated her saying that. It's interesting this one, resharing it, because I'm not sure I stand by everything I said in this episode now, if I'm truthfully honest. My thoughts and feelings about certain issues around weight, body image, etc. have changed. But that in itself is part of the journey, right? You're allowed to change your mind, have a different opinion, realize that the way you were thinking isn't the way you really feel now. So I'm allowing it. I'm allowing to I'm allowing myself to put it back out there. And I think most importantly, I'm going to put the link to Alex's Alex's book in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's so good. And I know that she put her heart and soul into it. And I think it has the potential to completely change lives. So here we are replaying Alex Light on The Emma Gunn Show. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and in this episode, I am joined by Alex Light, who is a body positivity activist and journalist. Now, the body positivity and body confidence conversation is one that we haven't really had before on this podcast, and partly because it is something that I think needs to be approached with sensitivity and authority and not taken lightly and for that reason Alex is the perfect person to speak to. She is incredibly honest, has really been through it in terms of issues with anorexia, binge eating and the anxiety and depression that can go hand in hand with that and she realised the power of sharing her own story with others. She did this originally on social media And realised pretty quickly from the responses and feedback that honesty really is vital when it comes to talking about eating disorders, body positivity and self-esteem that goes hand in hand with one's own self-image. And it really is an understatement to say that all of the above is very complicated. And when you think about it, being bombarded with images via the media of women who look a certain way is going to be confusing and or excluding if you are not a perfectly proportioned model who makes clothes look good or who looks good in clothes, whatever way you want to look at it. And I'll be really honest with you, that is most of us. I've been backstage at Fashion Week. I've worked on fashion shoots. I've booked models. And they are not people that you come across every single day. In terms, Their physical proportions are not the kind of proportions that you see every single day to the point that when I am out and about and I am walking through London and I see someone... I can go, oh, that's a model. You can just tell. You can just tell. It might seem like a daft example to talk about how seeing perfection in the media, which obviously sells, it might seem silly to bring it to cookery. But if you try and copy a recipe out of a cookery book and what you create looks nothing like the picture (laughs) that you've tried to emulate, you feel a bit rubbish, right? 
I mean, it might still taste good. The component parts might all be completely fine and the composition from a taste point of view might be great but if it doesn't look the same way you can be you can feel a bit embarrassed I've done that where I've tried to make something and I'm like oh sorry about this it's gone a bit floppy or whatever it might be if I was trying to make a souffle whatever it might have been you sort of offer it up with apologies and I feel that that's something that can sometimes happen with how we see ourselves in clothes or how we see ourselves physically. I definitely do feel as though I offer myself up with an apology or with an excuse or with a, oh, I know I'm not, but, you know, hormones. You know, <laughs> I just, I, I feel like I have to say, say something, justify myself, myself. And that's really sad. Then there's all the things that go hand in hand, like attraction, feeling attractive. And there's just a lot of muddy water here that makes it quite difficult actually to sort of come up with a very definitive or very definitive avenues of conversation or even just even sort of leading us into it. And this is where I really appreciate Alex's point of view and how she shares in this conversation, her insights, her kindness that go hand in hand with her messaging is a place and tone that she's clearly fought really hard to get to. And I don't want to underestimate or undervalue the work that she's put in because I think she's done incredible work. So in this conversation, you're going to hear us talk about body positivity, about Alex's own experience, how she's reached a point where she feels more comfortable than she has before. Emotional eating, intuitive eating. I learned a lot in that section, trust me. And a lot, lot more. And it wasn't until I sat down to have this conversation with Alex and then listened to it back after the recording that I realized how much this affects me too. And I genuinely can't think of a better person to have had this conversation with. So I'm really delighted to say that joining me on this episode of The Emma Gunn Show, it's Alex Light. So as I said, the lovely Alex Light joins me. Thank you, Alex, for joining me on the show. I'm really excited to be on the show. <laughs> I've been listening to it for ages, so I'm really excited to be here. No, I'm really, really glad to have you on because this isn't a subject that I've actually approached on the show previously. Okay. Um, you are a body confidence activist. Yes. Um, a content creator, a damn good one. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, you have... Okay, if somebody is listening to this show and they go to your Instagram feed right now, they are going to see somebody who very confidently mm. talks about body confidence really well and from a place of not just personal experience but also from you do a lot of research on it, you know, you're not just yeah. a, this is how I'm feeling about body confidence today. You know, you're, yeah. you, you draw from a lot of resources, but it's been a long, long journey to get there. A hell of a long journey. Yes. Um, and I think it probably is for everybody, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. I don't think anyone just comes into body positivity, uh, straight away. It's, there's got to be lots of stepping stones leading to it for sure. Why do you think that it has become like, I remember somebody saying to me, oh yeah, I'm going to do a Bopo thing. And I was like, what? Is that, is that a Teletubby? A couple of years ago. What's Bopo? I literally was like, I don't, someone sent me a message saying Bopo and I was racking my brains. But I, I had no idea. Why do you think it has become what it has become? Because it is a huge thing right now and things are changing. We'll unpick it during the course of this episode, but we've got things like the big thing with Nike, um, the Tess Halliday cover, is it Halliday or Holiday? Holiday. Holiday yes. cover. Um, just won the PPA award for cover of the year. Yes. So it's, 
and that would never have happened a few years ago. You would no. never have had a model of Tess's size, mm-hmm. because she is a plus-size model, on the cover of a mainstream women's monthly magazine. Yeah. And so it's it's all just... It's what we call in the media, it's reached critical mass. <laughs> it absolutely has. I, th- I actually think it's a backlash um, oh, okay. against what we've been seeing on social media. Like, since Instagram became so big and literally changed our world, changed the world mm. as we know it. Um, and for years on Instagram, all we would see is just this one narrow body ideal and we'd see it over and over and over and over again and it was just, you know, this body ideal was just sort of perpetuated. Um, and I think body positivity was just a backlash. Like, this, we're, we're not seeing our sizes, our body shapes represented um, so it was started by a few key people in the industry, like um, Iskra Lawrence. Mm, who's been on the um, show. Love Iskra. She has, yeah. She's amazing. Mm. Uh, and she's actually someone that helped me a lot, you really? know, during a really dark time for me. Um, during, I was in the sort of midst of an, of a, of an eating disorder and she really helped me. Um, we'll I have to come back to that because I have a lot of time for Ms. Lawrence. Oh, she's fabulous. Mm. Yeah, I love her. Um, so yeah, started by these key people in the in the industry, and th- and then these people that were saying like, why do we have to look like this? Why do we have to fit this body ideal? Why can't we enjoy ourselves and celebrate ourselves as we are? Mm. You know, celebrate our DNA as it is. You know, we yeah. can't change our DNA. What are we doing? Why are we spending our lives being so miserable, trapped in this horrible cycle and obsessed with diet culture? And I think it was a it was a backlash. And one that's grown massively. Yeah. Do you think it really is the... Do you think it is as simple as we've seen... Let's just use the word thin, can we? Or is that really... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So if I think about... So if I think about watching Dirty Dancing... Yeah. So how old was I? Like 11 years old when that came out. I think about how thin Cynthia Rhodes and Jennifer Grey were and how when I bought white denim or like denim shorts and white plimp soles, I didn't look like that. And so I thought I was wrong. Right. Does it does, yeah. it, is it does it stem from that, do you think? Literally just right from a very young age, you are bombarded with a particular look and if you don't and if you don't look like it, which not all of us do, body we're all the same species, but body shapes and sizes are different. Weight notwithstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Some people have short legs, some people have long legs, some people have long bodies, some people have short bodies. But what we tend to see in the media is fully in proportion. Yeah human bodies and the, the the diversity is like should be you know that, that's what should be magic about our species it's magical mm. the fact that we are so unique and so different but yeah it stems from that it stems from uh one body type only being shown and also this diet culture you know that it's our society's belief that being thin and losing weight and looking a certain way is like the most important thing in our lives mm. you know it's the ultimate female ambition to lose weight and be thin and that's been drummed into us that's been like hammered in since we were able to absorb media Mm, and images yeah images and people's and and people's just conversations you know so the backlash is definitely is definitely happening without a shadow of a doubt um why what's how did you come to the place where you are to be a really strong positive voice in the middle of it it's been such a long journey. I'm worried that I'm going to bore you with my long journey, so I'll try and condense it. 
So We're not afraid of feelings on the Emma Gunn show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. You've got a few hours. Um, so it all started, my, disor- my, my, my eating patterns have been disordered from a very young age, probably from, you know, before I was age 10, I'd say. Um, I was always like a chubby kid. And people would point it out, not in a nasty way, but like in an endearing, you know, you're adorable, you're cute, you know, like chubby. Um, But I always felt different and I didn't like it. I hated it. I had low self-esteem and I just, you know, I, my boobs, I had boobs before anyone else, any of my peers and everyone was fascinated and intrigued by them. And I wanted the ground to just swallow me up. I wanted them to go away and I would like hunch over, you know, a problem that I still have with my posture to this Mm. day because I was just trying to hide I'm the same. I sit like that. Look. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? Because to put my shoulders back feels like going. I'm gonna get even. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but you, if you actually do it in front of the mirror, if you if you go from hunching to standing tall, you look like a different person. Mm. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's something that's been like inbuilt in us. But well, that's another thing. We're going to unpick a few things there. Yeah. But that's another thing. It's the fact that as well as being bigger or chubby, whatever the right word is. It's also, boobs are sexual. They're sexual. People look at them and you realise that they're not... And I remember Mm. that happening to me when I was quite young. You realise that people are looking at you and you're like, something's different, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, and it's not a nice feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think all this happened at around the same time that I was learning that thinness equated to being good, being happy, um, being successful... And also sort of me realising that diets, just dieting is a way of life. It's just how you live. Mm. You live on a diet, you know. It's kind of like all I heard and saw around me. Um, so I started dieting. I reckon, I reckon I was about 12 when I started dieting. I can't remember exactly, but I think about 12. Uh, when I went to primary school, I started dieting. And Wowzers. from then until probably just over a year ago, I, I don't think I've had a, uh, well, my eating patterns have just been completely disordered. What I, does disordered eating look like? Is it just a sense that it's not three square meals a day? Yeah, so obviously I'm not a medical professional, mm. um, but how I see it is it's basically you're not eating what your body feels you're not eating what your body needs and what you feel like eating it's you're eating because you think because you think it's what you need to eat okay to either diet or Mm. you're eating um emotionally um so yeah and but disordered eating can take on all forms like it's an umbrella term it's an umbrella term yeah um so yeah so from that point i dieted i tried every diet under the sun atkins dukan Soup diet, Ducan. salad I diet. I Ducan once. I couldn't make head nor tail of it. Oh, my God. It's just like an even more hideous Atkins diet <laughs> in my eyes. Um, I did like a don't eat lunch, so my mum wouldn't notice, but just eat dinner yeah. diet. I tried everything from all throughout school and uni, and I dieted myself up because that's what happens. You know, you go up when you diet, your weight goes up. Mm. I dieted myself up to... Um, a weight that I was really uncomfortable with and uh, you know I, I don't want to say what weight because I hate I like I you know it's kind of an arbitrary number and mm. I don't want anyone to have to like compare 
no, their I, weight to mine. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I remember working out with a personal trainer years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And it was when, I don't know if you remember this, in mm. uh, some women's magazines, if there was a weight loss feature, they'd put, obviously, the before and after weight. Yeah. And I remember they did one with a couple of celebrities, and I said, but so-and-so's eight stone too. And he went, I train her, she's not. She's really? not. Really? Yeah, she's like yeah. 15 pounds heavier than that, but that's beside the point. She's got a yeah. completely different build to you. So yeah. I agree with you. I think comparing weights is, it's completely dangerous. It is, yeah. it really is apples and oranges. It is, it, even dress size as well. Mm. Like it gives you an indicator, dress size, more so than weight. Um, but I can't tell you the amount of people that ask me, like, what weight are you? Please just give us a rough idea mm. of like what weight you are just to make myself feel better. And I'm like, no way, because I could be, I could weigh a lot less than you think I look, or I could weigh a lot more, yeah, but yeah. It, it's arbitrary. Um, where, where, where was I? <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to come back to the weight thing, because I do think it's really important that we sort of, yeah. because the first thing you do is, it's like if you, if you ask someone how much they earn and they tell you, you will immediately go, I earn less or I earn more. Yeah, even same though you're thing. in a different industry. Yeah, yeah. same thing with weight. So yeah. sorry, so you you dieted yourself up. So I dieted up. Um, I won't, yeah, I'm not going to say what weight exactly, but it was a weight that I was really uncomfortable with and I could tell a lot of people around me were uncomfortable with and I would get a lot of suggestions from people on like, you know, I've heard this diet's really good or I've heard this diet's really good. And, you know, friends would say to me, it was... I remember a friend saying to me, you'd be so pretty if you were a size 12. <sighs> I remember that, and that's, that's, that stuck with me. It's, it's absolutely stuck with me. That was what I used to get a lot as a kid. Yeah. If you just lost weight, you'd be so gorgeous. So pretty. Yeah. You've got such a pretty face. Yeah. Your eyes. <sighs> yeah. And it's almost like a sympathetic, like people feel sorry. Mm. Like I remember feeling like people were feeling sorry for me. Um, so... At that point, juice diets were all the rage. Oh, God. They came into fashion, and they were everywhere. Yeah, because how old are you, by the way? Now I'm 30. Right, okay. Nearly 31. I thought you were going to say, I don't like to say my age. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant how old I was then. I, can't, I think I was about... Sorry. It's all right. Um, probably about 20... About 23 then, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I started on a juice diet. And I'm very, I don't know if you're like this, but my, my mentality is very black or white, all yeah, or nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I work. That's how I function. That's what speaks to me. So the juice diet clicked with me because the idea that I just didn't have to consume any food yeah. was, a, was, it just clicked for me. And so I lost weight. I was astonished at the amount of weight I lost, of course, because I wasn't putting anything in my mouth for five days. Um, so you juice for five days. So I juiced for five days. I did the juice diet first, and I was like, "This, this is for me." So then I did it two weeks after to lose a little bit more weight, and then it became like a weekly thing. I'd do it Monday to Friday every week, the juice diet, and on the weekends I would um, uh, binge and purge essentially. Mm. And then I stopped, I started reducing the amount of juices I would have in the day during those juice diet days. So I, I think you have like five and I go down, down, down until eventually I was just eating boiled sweets, um, just sucking on boiled sweets oh to kind God, of yeah. like calm the feeling of hunger. And then I binge and purge at the weekends. It was a mess. I was in an absolute mess. Um, and then I was obviously at a very unhealthy weight, like very unhealthy. And my mom made me seek help. Um, so I went to a psychiatrist who diagnosed me with anorexia, binge, purge, subtype, uh, subtype. 
Um, and I went to a therapist, started therapy, and it helped my body image issues massively. Mm. Um, but it didn't really tackle my eating, my eating problems. And I'd, you know, I'd, I'd had so many years of just crazy disordered eating. It was such a mess that, like, looking back, it was never going to cure my, you know, mm. tackle my eating problems. I needed, like, real, real help. Um, so I started to put on weight because you know, my, my body issue, my body image issues were helped. And I realized that I had to start eating and nourishing my body. I was like, what am I doing? This is crazy. So I started eating. What was that point when you realized that you had to, because I think sometimes when you're on the down, when you're losing weight, you get a lot of positive responses. You get a lot of admiration. And so that, that almost is another impetus to keep going. So how come it, when did it stop being a, oh, Alex, you look so great. Look at what you've done to, oh dear. And, and actually, that's something I talked about on Instagram the other day. Mm. I, I was asking people to please stop commenting on people's weight. Don't say, you look so thin or you've mm. lost so much weight. Because when I was at that really unhealthy weight and just sucking on boiled sweets, that was my only form of, of nutrition, mm. I'd get, you're my, uh, you're my like, thinspo, you're my goal weight. Oh, my God, you're like my size zero pinup. And honestly, Ooh, I got all dear. those comments and people were like, I felt like it was the, and I think it is still to this day, like it, it felt like the biggest achievement ever because like I got that much positive reinforcement mm. from it. So I asked people on Instagram, actually, I just said, just stop, stop commenting on it. You think you're, you think you're giving someone a compliment, but actually what you're doing is just further like locking us into this cycle of thinking that our, our, you know, our, our worth and our value is based on our, our weight. And that thin is better. And that thin is better, yeah. Because why is thin better? It's not. Do you know what? I remember years ago, and I shan't say who it is, but a very famous uh, British actress yeah. was on a photo shoot with her. And it was, in, it was around the time, because there have been many, many backlashes about size zero and yeah. things, but never quite to this point the way that it is right now. And um, I remember being on a shoot and saying to her, and she's very quintessentially like model, tall figure. Right. And um, she, I'm going to make you tell me after. Of course, <laughs> yeah. But and she didn't say it in an, unre- an unreasonable way. I just said, "Why do you think designers are making these clothes? They're basically cut like the fit models are boys. Mm. Like a lot of the yeah. a lot of the fit models are, yeah, you know, very very tiny. Yeah. And she said, "The fact of the matter is that um, uh, clothes look better on thinner people." Mm. And then, who was it yesterday who I saw? I think it was Jamila Jamila Jamil saying, if you can't make your clothes look good on all sizes, then you're not, you don't have any talent. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know, because why? Clothes don't look better on thin people. It's just not true. It's just what we've been made, it's just what we've been conditioned to believe. Mm. And it's what we have been conditioned to to think as well. When when we see those images, Mm. that's just what we're conditioned to, but it's just not true. So how did you get to, would you say that you had a period of recovery? And what? And from the conversations that we've had offline, and yeah. you can go into them or not, depending on how comfortable you feel, but it feels like that, it sounds like we're talking in a very sort of bright way, but actually these, are, these can become quite toxic tangles and dark knots in one's brain. I, I was telling Alex this morning, listeners, that I was wearing a T-shirt uh, when I got out of bed, Walk to the kitchen, walk back to my bedroom, there's a full-length mirror, and the first thing my brain really told me this morning after get coffee was, 
Well, you've got really short, stumpy legs. <sighs> so sad. And I just take it's, it for I just take it for granted, just yeah. like just normal, just like yeah. oh, never show, never show your legs. <laughs> but that's one of the things that you can change as well. You can change the way that you talk to yourself and mm. the way that you think about yourself. Um, what was the question? Sorry, <laughs> the question was <laughs> about the dark, the the fact that actually, oh, yeah. it's a very the conversations that one has in one's own head about how you look, even if you're on what might look like a positive journey in terms of perhaps you are losing yeah. weight that looks healthy and so everyone's giving you all these affirmations but it can be quite a dark dialogue that that comes back to not feeling good enough like feeling like when I am x whether it's a weight or a size yeah, I yeah. will be better yeah, yeah yeah I mean and I remember getting down and down and down and down to the point where I thought I can't go down much further than this but I thought at this point that I was going to be feel better and feel happy and that thought is so scary that if there's nowhere to go like I it always like reassured me to think that if I just got down I'll be happy Mm. so I know that there's always like something I can do but the idea that I was going down down and down and I was just not happy my self-esteem was like rock bottom um and yeah everyone and I I knew I could never maintain this when everyone around me was saying why you so Thin. oh my god you look amazing you're like a different person um and you're in a glamorous media job I and you get like yeah. clothes and the clothes fit perfectly and yeah I mean and I started on Instagram as well and uh, these comments were coming as well on Instagram you know like tagging friends in the comments saying this girl's thinspo <laughs> this girl's off inspo and I look back at those, those photos and I'm like I'm just like anorexic I look so, so thin. I look ill. My face looks just poorly. Did you, did you think that it would equate happiness? Did you think? And so what was the feeling when you would get down and you would look at yourself? And when you look at the pictures now Mm. and you see, you know, you look poorly, when you looked at them then, did you think, oh, I could still lose a bit more? Like, is your perspective different? Yeah. I still looked at them and thought, I've got a bit of a double chin. I can see a bit of a double chin there, and my thighs are this. Things that just just really annoys me now to even admit because mm. like I can't believe that I was ever in such a dark space. But it was really dark. It felt like hell. And I think we're very good, like especially like women and British, we're good at like downplaying our struggles and what we've been through. And like that wasn't that bad. But I was talking to my boyfriend about it recently. And I was like, literally, I went through hell and back with it it was just a nightmare I don't think I had a happy hour in the entire time no. really yeah it was because it, it's so locked with like anorexia is so like it's linked with depression and anxiety and it's just a mess yeah so how so your the weight is one thing uh, how did the anxiety and depression manifest was it was it all just one big old mess yeah and even looking back I can't really untangle mm. eating disorder from the anxiety and depression they all just come as one I mean but the the, the depression was definitely triggered um, so say I would go on the scales and I had you know stayed the same or put on half a pound that was it then I had to just go into bed and I couldn't get up I couldn't face the day I absolutely like physically felt like I was not able to mm. do you remember there was a an issue of grazia 
And I think they interviewed lots of women about their body image. Right. And I think the cover line was, and it was Kelly Brook. I think it was Kelly Brook. Don't quote me on that. She says, publishing a podcast on it. But with the cover line, I'm sure, was something like, I get on the scales and that sets the mood for my day. And I remember reading that thinking, oh, wow, yeah, that is oh, bang does. on the money. Yeah, yeah. And that's worrying. Yeah. I'd love to find that issue now. I bet you it is very it's troublesome so now, given what Our we're... climate. Yeah. yeah. It absolutely is, though. Like, that's how we're... That's what we're, like, programmed to think. Do you We've... think... Sorry... I was just no, I was just going to say that you know that we, we base our success on how much weight we've lost and mm. yeah do you think that um do you think that all this sort of honest and open conversation mm. now mm. seems like a really really good thing but there might not be as much truth in it as you think because what I've noticed whether it's about body positivity or other mm. things is that I will tow a particular line publicly about a subject yeah but it might not be my, what I would say to my friends. But I know that what I might say to my friends might get, might be misinterpreted. So I feel like, do you know what I'm trying to get at here? In the sense of we're sort of having these brilliant positive conversations and we're all driving positively in the right direction. But it's not just all one thing. There's, there are nuances and you might want to say, yes, actually, I really believe in body positivity. I really believe in body confidence, but I also do think that people look better when they're slimmer. And so right, they right. so but that part of the conversation gets cancelled out and sort of goes on offline. Do you know what I mean? Do you think yeah. that's happening? I I actually think that people talk about that online as well though. Mm. I think like a lot of body confidence activists um tackle those issues and make people realise that they they're saying these things and why they're not true, like challenging them. Mm. It's kind of like C B D, I guess, like Cognitive CBD or CBT? CBT. <laughs> CBD is the... Um, You've been having too many press releases from beauty brands about <laughs> oh CBD oil. Oh my God. Honestly. Have I just... I've had to the put the filter ex- on. exploded with it. Anyone would think no one had heard of hashish before. I know. Wouldn't they? I mean, it's, anyway, sorry. Sorry, side I haven't note, tried it, have you? I haven't tried it, any of CBD... Beauty products. Yeah, beauty products. I tried the Kiehl's one um, and it's perfectly nice. It's basically like a mild anti-inflammatory. It's a nice serum, but yeah, yeah, I'm not like... um, A huge CBD fan. I think when a product really gets you, listeners, Alex also (laughs) writes beauty for magazines, which is why we can easily go into this conversation, (laughs) is... um, I think if you if you meet a product and you think, oh, there, are, I know someone who really, really, really needs that. That's when I get yeah. excited. But when I think, yes, if you like it, if you fancy trying CBD, yeah, and you've got the money, okay. that that's how I felt about that one. But it was yeah. nice when I used it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so CB- the conversation, CBT, yeah, yes. challenging our, our current thinking patterns, and I think a lot of people do speak about issues like that. I mean. I mean, I, I, have you, I don't know if you've been on Reddit, like the Reddit threads on body confidence and body positivity. I've tried. It's, like, it's a rabbit hole. It's an absolute rabbit I've hole. I've tried to use Reddit and I just don't think I know how. I need a lesson. I get sucked in on ev- everything, especially body confidence. And actually, I was looking at the Reddit thread, one of the Reddit threads on Tess Holiday's um, Cosmo cover. Mm. Obviously, it resurfaced because it just won the award. Yeah, the PBA. And there is so there is such a divide. There are so many. It's, it's so. Where like, do you polarizing. stand on it? I love it. Mm. I absolutely love it. I think it deserves. I think it deserved to win an award. 
I think it was brilliant and just like a, a message of inclusivity to women who in the past have been absolutely marginalised by society, not, not just the fashion and beauty industry, but society. Mm. And I thought it was just like really good representation and at like a very basic level just showing the world that like women who look like this do exist mm. you know um do you feel she was potentially exploited at all no I don't think so mm. no I don't think so I think it's I think it's it, I think it's just overwhelmingly positive what's come from this mm. for her and for women who look like her as well mm. Um, I know Farah, she's been on this podcast. I have a lot of time for her. Farah is the editor of Cosmopolitan Listeners. And so, um, she's just moved though, hasn't she? Sorry, she has has just moved, but she was the editor of that particular cover. And I think she makes very smart choices, but I, I would be lying if I said I didn't, I didn't, I didn't receive it with the same enthusiasm that you did. Okay. I felt though I was like, okay, what is this? What is this for headlines? Is this to get the sales up? Right. Which is just when you're an editor, which is just a valid an activity. Of course. Um, Yeah. And so I'm. I'm not. I. I don't feel as enthusiastic about it as you do. And now I feel really bad for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was a brave move. I mean. Because I suppose it had never been done, so how did you know it was a gamble, right? Mm. They weren't like, This is gonna sell, and it's their best selling cover to date, is that right? I think it's their best selling cover. I don't know, but I would imagine so. Um, but I I can imagine that it was a huge gamble for them at the time, and because it's just something that's never ever been done before. Mm. And you know, normally, like if we see a plus size woman on a magazine cover, they're like a size 12. Can we just 12 size 12 so a uk size 12 which yeah. is a an american size 8 yes that's right and yes. a, i don't know what the us uh, the U, um, australian conversion is but that is not plus size no a 12 is is and i mean that is where i would use uh, air quotes normal and the average uk woman is a size 16 mm. So it's not plus size at all. Mm. <laughs> it's like below average. But that's what, what we're used to seeing. So Tess's cover was like, it was, it was a shock for everyone. Do you know what size she is? I don't even know. I think she's a 26. I think she's a 26, but I don't know if that's American or UK. Okay. I think it's a UK. Mm, okay. Yeah, UK um, size 26. And I just, well, do you think that there's going to, do you think that it's going to open magazine covers for more of these sorts of things. I hope so. I mean, they obviously there's going to be the people that talk about her health. I um, do. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that I, I I'm someone whose BMI has always been in the normal to high range. And yeah. there are, I mean, I know whether you believe in BMI or not, you just know that there are health issues. And so, um, yeah, I can't say that I don't look at someone like Tess and think I don't want her to feel uncomfortable in her body because of what other yeah. people are saying about her. But is she aware of the reality of that? Yeah. See, I think so with that cover, I was kind of like... I, was, I felt that people were confusing like body positivity with health issues. Okay. And like for me, the point of that cover was um, a body 
positive, inclusive message mm-hmm. that actually, and, and health really, is a completely separate issue. Right. That's something for her to deal with, with her doctor. Mm. And I, I don't think it was like a lot of people saying that it was glamorising obesity, you know, glorifying obesity. Mm. But I think it was just like a really good, inclusive message and just um, a way to stop dif- disenfranchising people who don't look like... And I agree with that. I don't think, but as as I, yeah. when I used to go on press trips, or even when I was in school, I would, I mean, not really for the, because I was in the same school for a long time, but I would always worry about being the fattest girl in the year. That would always be my thing. Like you come back from summer holiday and you'd yeah. be like, you pray that someone had put on a Aww. load of weight, <laughs> so you wouldn't be the biggest girl in the year. That's which is so pathetic. So I don't want anyone to feel like that, but. I, it depends, and I don't want to make this about tests because I don't think that's fair. But I think if somebody is plus size, and if there is a food issue involved there, like if there's a very unhealthy relationship with food there, yeah. which would almost be, if they went to a medical professional, it would almost be seen as some form of self-harm. Yeah. That's when I worry about... That's when I worry about... That's when I just yeah. think, well, you wouldn't put somebody on the cover of a magazine who displayed other signs of self-harm and celebrate it. No, and a lot of people said as well that you shouldn't put anorexic... You, you know, we're not allowed to put people who are visibly anorexic But we've been doing that for anymore. decades. Exactly. And, but the problem is, is that, unfortunately, that, that you know, anorexic-looking girl is very uh, close to society's, like, ideal. Mm. It's, and whereas... You know, an obese body, a fat body, is not aspirational in our current mm. society. So it's dangerous to put those women, that that those extremely thin women, on the cover of magazines. Agreed, yeah. um, but then I I think women who are bigger, even you know, their health. I don't know. I don't have no. And people say there's health at every size, and I have no idea what the health is like of women who are bigger. Like whatever. I just don't know. I don't think any of us know. I think only them and their doctors know. Um, but they should they should be allowed to access body positivity and should be able to feel that their bodies are worthy of like respect mm-hmm. and um, being seen, no matter yeah, what size, yeah. no, no matter what their health is, their, no matter what their health status. It should just be a different issue entirely. And they need to have their space on the internet where they can be seen mm. and you know show their bodies. Like why not? And I do agree that somebody should be able to buy a dress whatever size they are and have that feeling of feeling, oh, this looks really good on me and yeah. not feel embarrassed about it. And I yeah. think that's more where you're coming from, isn't it? It's more the let's not say one is bad and one is good. Let's let's begin to broaden that good band so that it's everyone looks damn great. Yeah, and take away those those like the classifications of like, yeah, good and bad. So They're just bodies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just think, I, I do think if you really understood how bodies really do look different, they really, really do look very, yeah. very different. I don't think we see enough naked people. I'm not suggesting, yeah. well, I certainly don't. I'm not suggesting that we need to, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that we need to suddenly see everybody naked. But I think if you did, I am in fact, I remember I did a TV show with Gok ages ago, Gok Wan. Oh, yeah. And I was, I worked in a room with uh, the Naked Army and they were all in right. their underwear. But even there, you can kind of get a sense of 
everybody's built completely differently and it's not a weight issue. Yeah, and if you just took a random like cross-section of society, they look completely different. Mm. Not like what you see on Love Island, you know, that's not a, like a random cross-section of society, but they look completely different. All sizes, all shapes, all colours and genders and, yeah. Mm. Um, so, you were in the good hands of a professional... So you were yes. diagnosed? <clears throat> I was diagnosed, yeah. And are you able to... Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. To share how you came back and... How you got to this point? Yes, um, I'm conscious of the fact that I'm going on a bit because the journey is just so long. Like it wasn't a quick. You're really I not. I think when I was when I was in you know on this, the journey of recovery, I was always waiting for an epiphany. I always thought I'd have an aha moment, you know, and think, and that's it. Suddenly, like the the fog has cleared, and I can, and that just never happened. The journey was long, and. I think that's something as well that I like. I would really want people who are listening to this to understand that it's actually like these tiny, like almost imperceptible moments of like like spurts of growth that just build on top of each other, mm. and they might not even feel good at the time, but eventually one day it'll build to something that looks like recovery. You know, because mm. I think like you know, magazines want to say. Or like TV wants to say, oh, you know, they were anorexic and then she saw this and it changed her life and she never, you know, but it just doesn't happen that way. Mm. I don't, it didn't happen for me that way. But I was always waiting for an epiphany. I think I am a bit of an epiphany junkie anyway. I'm always like... <laughs> that's Hollywood. I really believe that's Hollywood. It's Hollywood, exactly, yeah. yeah. Re- well, it's storytelling, isn't it? Yeah. There's a destination yeah, and but life, life is... is just so much more nuanced than that. <laughs> and yeah, complicated and complex and messy. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, so the, so the body image, image is, issues were tackled, but not the eating. Um, and I was weight restored, so I was recovered uh, in everyone's, you know, in everyone's minds. Everyone around me thought, you know, like, this is so good. You've, like, gained weight. You're better. And I was not better at all. In fact, I was probably, I was probably equally as um, in a dark place because the binging and purging really ramped up. And it became daily and it became very excessive and just really detrimental uh, to the point where I wasn't really, I was functioning, but barely. Um, And 
I broke down to uh, this carried on for a few years and eventually I broke down my mum said we were on holiday and my mum said you're not right what's wrong with you I broke down um and she marched me back to the psychiatrist what did you say what did you like when you finally broke down what was what were the words that came out I said I can't stop eating right I can't stop eating I'm obsessed um I like I don't know if anyone listening to this has had problems with binging and purging but it's so miserable and it's all consuming and it takes over your entire life and that's how I felt I can't stop eating so we went to the psychiatrist and you know he said yeah you've got you know binge eating disorder and bulimia and he put me in touch with a therapist and then he said you should buy this book binge uh, brain over binge I bought the book straight away um and it arrived, and you know what it's like. It kind of just it lay. It sat there. It sat there for months and months, and I was like doing therapy and thinking like this isn't getting any better. Um, and then I had a particularly bad weekend. I was alone in the flat, which was one of my like big triggers as well. Kind of when I was on, on my own, I was able to just eat what I wanted and do what I wanted, and it was just really bad for me. And it was it was at the end of one of those weekends, and I was going holiday, and I thought. I'll read a book on the plane. That'll be nice and relaxing. What shall I read? And I thought I should just read that book. Mm. I'm trying to like I'm trying to recover from this. I should just read that book. And I read the book on the plane, and um, that is when the binges started to lessen. Um, finally, I was able to see like the binges and the urges to binge for what they really were, mm-hmm. which is like neurological junk. Right. I can explain that a little bit if you want. But yeah, I'm, I would like to it, the, the book's really amazing. So it's Brain Over Binge by Catherine Hansen. And Link will be in the show notes, listeners. Yes. And she the, the premise is that we've got two brains. We've got the lower brain and the higher brain. And the lower brain is the uh, animal brain that produces urges. Like in, it feels like instinct, you know, like... Um, so it produces like the urge to binge and animal urges. Whereas the brain, uh, the higher brain, is the more neurologically advanced and sophisticated part that has the autonomy and is able to decide whether to act on these binge urges or not. Um, And I read this, and then I I was kind of able to see that I was just producing these urges that were coming coming into my brain was just neurological junk and I had the ability to override them not just like white knuckle through them Mm. you know like just trying to get through them which is what I had tried to do previously just try to take my mind off it by doing this or Mm. by that but if I was able to sit with the urges and see them as if I was seeing them from far away and understanding them Mm. and what was going on in my head at the time and so they started to lessen and um Eventually, do you know what? It didn't take long. It was actually after, like one month after reading that book, I stopped binging completely, and I haven't binged since. So, yeah. So something in that book just helped you undo. So it was that book combined yeah. with everything yeah. that I'd learned during all those years of therapy, and understanding that what I was doing was emotional eating mm. and also just eating because I because you know our brains are very good at forming patterns Mm. so I'd formed these patterns of binge eating over the years that I was unable to break 
But when I was kind of able to see it from like a scientific neurological perspective, I was able to understand what it was and how I could break it. That's really interesting. Yeah. But tough, I'm guessing. Yes, very tough. Yeah. 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 You look stressed even just Not, telling that story. Do I? Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it brings back because I was just so obsessed with it as well because I was desperate for recovery. I couldn't carry on mm. what I was doing. I was like in a state, not just, you know, mentally, but physically, I really needed help. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Now let's talk about, um, you're a journalist, writer, you work for magazines and yes. we, uh, most of my friends do that too. Yeah. <laughs> and we all have public lives and private lives. Yeah. And some of, some of my friends who are going through things will document it in real time and others yeah. will experience things, let it ruminate or whatever, and then come back and write about it or what have you. What, what did you decide to do? Did you, did you chronicle any of this? Did you, keep, did you put it on social media or did you present a false reality whilst you dealt with it all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me... I, I only talked about it once I felt recovered from mm. it. I didn't feel ready to talk about it I just didn't really want to talk about it mm. um I I kind of insinuated that there were problems because m my Instagram was always like fashion and beauty and it's very like pink and flowers mm. and like essentially I was just copying what every other influencer I saw in my feed was doing and it really didn't mean like that much to me you know I, I felt like I was kind of posting without purpose and it wasn't really it wasn't sort of speaking to me. and I think I looked at your feed and just thought, oh, she's too perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Nadine said. It's just like, it's just like pink and flowers. And it's like, I can't relate to this woman. And actually, it's really not me at <laughs> yeah. all. Like, I actually normally dress in black. Mm. I listen to emo music. Like, it's really <laughs> just, it's really not, not me. But it was, I was making money from it. And I thought it's what I should be doing. Because all the other, other influencers were doing it. And I remember very... Um, Distinctly one night, I was posting a picture of me in a blue dress against like a yellow floral wall. And it was after a day of really hardcore binging and purging. And um, sorry if this was all too much information, but... Um, and then I just, I was about to post it and I felt sick. I was looking at the image and I felt sick and I thought, this is just such bull... Can I swear? Can I swear? Of course you can, yeah. This is just bullshit. Like, why am I posting this? Mm. I was, you know physically not feeling well from what I've been doing I was my face was puffy and swollen from what I've been doing and crying and I just thought I'm gonna post a picture of me at my various different weights and just explain to people that there's a story behind these squares on Instagram mm. um so I, I did I just I posted a picture showing myself at all these different weights you know explaining that I gained and lost hundreds of pounds over yeah, yeah. my life and that, you know, talking about, um, you know, just saying that I have so many problems with eating, like, please mm. don't look at this. Please don't look at my feed, my highly curated feed and think that this is just a girl living her best life because, you know, it really isn't. And I posted it and then I went, oh, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to delete it. And I said, no, and I said, I'm going to delete it. And I went back and forth like this. Mm. And then I just got so many messages like so many girls that from the industry that I knew, my friends, I had no idea had suffered or gone through anything similar. Um, and it felt like, it sounds so cringe to say, but it actually felt like a hug when I really needed it. Wow. Okay. I was in a dark place and it was, it just felt so comforting. I thought I was all alone. I thought I was the only one that suffered from, 
you know, suffered from any eating problems. Mm. It's like so common. We just don't talk about it. I you need to help me <laughs> because I remember uh, speaking to a trainer the other day, or not the other day, a while ago, and he said something like, "And this may, and I think if you have any kind of issue with food, yeah. and I definitely feel like I do, um, which, which yeah. is an emotional issue, I feel ashamed. Yeah. So I feel like people can see when they see like I." and bigger I feel like they can see the fact that I'm not coping because I'm wearing it in right. weight on my body okay. and I remember a personal trainer saying to me once something like your f- something like your eating habits are the things that you wear in the you wear on your body yeah, yeah. and it basically and it just sort of really um compounded that idea of well we can see your weakness because look it's yeah. right there on yeah. your gut and that makes me feel very um icky now even just saying it does it yeah yeah are you an emotional eater oh my god yeah are you now you'll make me cry yeah i yeah. i i turn to food for comfort do you yeah and how have you like found ways to deal with that have you found like any i don't i don't think i have alternative coping mechanisms or um no i don't think i have no. um when i was going through the anxiety and the depression yeah. There was one the the whole thing got triggered got triggered by one particular event. Yeah. And there was about 6 days when I couldn't eat and that was really out of character. Right. And I was constantly moving and I I, I couldn't eat. And that's really really genuinely out of character. Yeah. And then when I sort of settled into the anxiety and the depression it kind of found its groove. Right. It was just it was almost like hunting for sugar and bread. It was yeah. just that's the only thing that would deal that could could give me comfort i know that feeling so well um and i did like there were times god i know i'm i'm really hormonal at the moment as well so you really i really am on a knife edge (laughs) (laughs) like i didn't want to leave the house so i would go out at like 9 45 which is 15 minutes before my local supermarket would shut and i live near a very big supermarket and i would run in like pajamas and a long (laughs) like (laughs) puffer thingy and i would get donuts yeah. that had been reduced to like 15p for four donuts and then I would sit over the sink and I'd be like I'm only eating the jam I'm only eating the jam and the bit of the sugary bit and then you'd look and and then I'd put it all down the waste disposal like for my birthday 40 days of 40 um Mel Green yeah. at um It Cosmetics got me one of those beautiful hummingbird bakery rainbow cakes yeah but it's big right so I went home the next morning I had a slice then I had another slice and then I had to put it down the waste disposal yeah yeah and I felt awful doing it, but I can't have food in the house. I think, do you realise like how common things like what you're saying are? Oh, they're so, so, so common. But I never realised before. But now so many people open up to me. And honestly, you're like, I don't want you to think that you're alone in all this stuff because you're absolutely not. It's so common. We're like built to be, we're, we're like built to be emotional eaters and it's compounded by society, by diet culture. Um, but emotional eating is like so common Mm. and it's horrible because then you do wear it you are wearing it yeah yeah at least you feel like you are as well Mm. people I I don't think people are looking at you and thinking anything like that at all and I think people are too wrapped up in themselves to ever sort of true you know and and that's what my mum always says to me you know because I was like terrified when I put on weight like thinking oh god people are gonna think this much like people care too much about themselves 
they're not interested in whether you've... Yeah, but how many times have you heard someone say, have you seen so-and-so? She's ballooned. I know, but then they say it, and so what? You know? And, and so what? So I they don't ha- want they, someone to say it about they me. Have, they have a few seconds, like, or like a minute of discussing it between themselves, and then what? You know? It, doesn't, it just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So do you, you, do you get lots of people reach out to you on social media now? So, so many, yeah. And I make a point of replying to everyone, which is extremely time-consuming. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like these, I'm like honoured that these people have opened up mm. to me and shared their story, so I can't, I can't ignore it. I have to you know, send them back a proper response. But so many people say um, they have problems with binge eating. Mm. When life gets tough, when they don't feel good about themselves, when they feel anxious, when they feel depressed or hormonal, whatever, they want to eat. And when they feel like that, they want to reach for the bad stuff, the stuff that's got fat and carbs and sugar. Mm. Because that is the stuff that lights up the reward center in our brain. Mm. So it's it the quick. Sense. It's the quick hit. It is. It's a very quick hit. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels good at the time, but the euphoria doesn't last for very long. And uh, yeah, I guess I wonder if people write to you and say they equate the emotional eating with not being in control, and then but, I mean, it just sounds like we're all beating ourselves up, and sometimes a way in which we yeah. beat ourselves up is by not looking after us. I don't know, is it, okay, is emotional eating and going for the quick hit, the donut, is that the same as having, being in a place where you're not looking for, not looking after yourself and not nourishing yourself well? Are they the same thing or are they different? As in with your diet, not nourishing yourself, or or you mean like as in self-care? Yeah, yeah. I think emotional eating can exist alongside you practicing self-care as well Mm. but definitely practicing self-care can reduce it for sure yeah and that's like one of the top tips you'll get from any nutritionist or dietitian or medical professional about um intuitive eating and trying to manage your emotional eating is um looking when when you at literally at the moment that you look to binge or to find that food that's going to give you the hit, you have to think, why? Why? Why am I going to reach for that? What is it behind this? I think it's it's all too easy to go for that, and then we don't even think about what's mm. behind it. But if we just sit for a minute and think about it, it's really hard. It's really hard. It's so complex. And it's easy for me to like sit here and say, because it's still, to this day, it's still a bit of a mystery to me too. So would you say you're, it's a work in progress or it is a recovery? Yeah, it's not yeah, a recovered. Yeah. It's a, you're now managing it as opposed to... I think binge eating, I've recovered from that. Mm-hmm. I think I can say, like touch wood, that with, you know entire certainty I've recovered from that and I will never do that again who knows uh, but intuitive eating is not something that comes easily to, to so me. please explain to me what intuitive eating is because I think I've read a couple of bits about it and thought yeah. that just sounds like to me it sounds like the recipe for me indulging my emotional eating because there isn't yeah. a time when my when I'm not thinking I would love to be able to have something sweet yes or carby but then the second immediate thought is, but you can't have that because yeah. you're this, you're that, you're the other. So how does intuitive eating work? How would you describe it for the listener? Okay, so intuitive eating, for me, it is about eating what your body needs to be nourished rather than what you think you need to eat or mm-hmm. what, rather than what someone's telling you to eat. 
So it's listening to your... I mean, we've come so far from listening to our body's signals and trusting our bodies to tell us when we're hungry, when we're full, stop eating now, take mm. a break. We're so far from that that it's very, very difficult to get yourself back to that. But that's the idea of intuitive mm. eating. So it's to know I'm going to be too full if I carry on eating. I'm hungry now, I need a snack, or I'm hungry, I need a meal. So, but it's extremely hard because we've, over, we've overridden those signals mm. for so long through diets and binge eating and all the rest. Well, pleasure eating. Pleasure eating, yeah. Exactly, eating so locked up with emotions. I remember, I think it was Amelia Freer's book. Yeah, I think it was, and she talks about the culture of snacking and how yeah. that was something that came out in the 80s and really, I think, again, don't quote me on this because I obviously read quite a bit and I might have jumbled some of this up, but I feel like... Snack, the, the idea of snacking was so that your blood sugar didn't drop. Yeah. And so, obviously, you think about all of the, the companies that make snack foods, mm. you know, the big conglomerates and everything. So they started, yes, here's your mid-morning snack, here's your afternoon snack, and snacks became a thing, and it became five meals a day. But now pretty much you go to any of these big uh, nutrition conventions or health conventions, and they say, we don't eat we don't have a big enough period between our meals for our blood sugars to for our blood sugar to actually drop so snacking right. really isn't necessary yeah um so it is that thing of we don't eat because of um i'm hungry i'm feeling a bit tired i'm feeling not very energetic maybe i need some iron yeah we don't eat for that reason anymore mm. anymore we eat because it's morning or because it's 11 o'clock or because yeah yeah or because someone's telling us that you know, you should eat every three hours to keep your metabolism going, you know, or intermittent fast, whatever, you know, and all <laughs> of it's just like rubbish, really. Um, so if, if you could um, break, break it down for us in a, sim in a simple way, like if you, if somebody's about to start, is thinking, I wouldn't mind giving intuitive eating a go, like in a nutshell, is it a case of you wake up one morning and you go, right, I won't eat until I'm hungry? Where the, we, we've got a curveball here because um, dieting obviously creates extreme hunger. Mm. And if you've been dieting, it's very hard to go from dieting to intuitive eating right. because your body has, I mean, our bodies are programmed to want to stock up on food if it feels like it's been starved. Mm. Um, so people who have been dieting for a long time, even people who have been dieting for a short amount of time will probably overeat. And that's just normal, that's natural. Mm. And you kind of have to, in, in order to get over that and come out the other side and be able to eat intuitively, you have to get over that period of, of wanting to eat whatever, whatever you fancy because it hasn't been, it hasn't been allowed. Mm. You haven't allowed yourself to eat it in the past. Um, it, it's like anorexic. People who have suffered from anorexia and in their recovery, they often find that they... Um, go to a higher weight than they're supposed to be because suddenly they you know it's like mm. a manic like you know I'm allowed to eat all these things now and I'm just going to go for it but then once you've done that for long enough and you realize that actually the crisps will still be there tomorrow if I if I need them or mm. I'll have them the next day I'm not going to deprive myself any longer so if I want chocolate tomorrow or next week or whatever I'll be able to have it I don't need to gorge myself on it mm. and then and then you have to, 
it's hard. I don't want to sound preachy because I'm obviously, you know, no, this I is only just have an opportunity to hear your perspective. We're not yeah. saying this is the, the only way, but yeah. you, you have been living and breathing this. Yes, yes. And reading every book in the sun about it to try and understand it because it's just not something that comes mm. naturally to me at all. But there, so, yeah, so wake up in the morning, have a breakfast that's big enough to satisfy you. And then try and listen to your body as mm. you eat it. I know it's easier said than done, but if you take it slowly, if you, I know what helps me is to eat slowly and have breaks in between. I mean, because like my natural instinct is just to gobble it down, like yeah, inhale it, it's gone. Um, so, but if I take breaks, if I have a drink, so if I put my fork down and have a drink in between, and then I can start to evaluate how I, my body is feeling. Like, am I hungry? Am I? Do I still want to carry on? Yes you know it's it's called the hunger scale as well the hunger fullness scale um so that's something that's op- that's recommended with intuitive eating is that you um you you place a number on like how full am i right now and that helps you to decide whether to carry oh, okay. on eating if you need more if you yeah which, which book was this or is it many of the books on intuitive yes, eating yes many of the books i think that's like a global tool. i think i got sent one and on the cover of the book it had a glazed hundred a donut with hundreds and thousands on it and i thought and it, it, honestly that made me not look at it is it just eat it i might have been just i think it, it is yeah, yeah yeah it's on my bookshelf still because like, only because yeah. when i saw you at Lindsay's book launch you said it's it, the contents is good don't dismiss I think you said don't dismiss it because of the donut yes yeah um so it is still there for me to take but a look why at. did why why did the donut sort of put you off the donut put me off because I just think if you're trying to promote a better way of eating yeah my really hardcore and I'm quite hard on this subject because yeah. I'm so hard on myself yeah so listeners if you think I've been hard on Tess Holiday, please know that it's because I am worse to me um for me, if you yeah. say you can, oh, here's an eating program and you can have donuts. Yeah. That doesn't compute to me because I think if I'm eating a donut, I'm doing wrong. I'm doing bad. I'm naughty. But then also we need to neutralize food. Exactly. Yeah. And get rid of the bad, good. I'm eating mm. better. I'm eating well. I'm eating not so good. Mm. That's part of intuitive, intuitive eating as well. And just eliminating the guilt and shame that we feel around eating. Mm. Because if you, if you, if you, you know, you, you're going to, I'm really annoyed that I can't remember the phrase, but it's like, if you deprive, it thrives. Mm. So if you say to yourself, I'm not allowed donuts, I'm not allowed this, it's, it's going to end up being all you want. And you are allowed to have donuts. You should be allowed to have donuts if you feel like it. But I'm sure, I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but from what you're saying, but I would be embarrassed to go and buy a donut because I would, I would imagine, I yeah. would create a story in my head that the person serving would think, really? Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, but you're so no, right. No you're way. so right. Um, you're so right in that people are too wrapped up in themselves. They might be thinking, yeah. oh, 15 minutes till the end of my show. Exactly. They don't give a damn about who's coming to them and with what they're you know, <laughs> coming to them with all sorts. No one cares. And you should be able to have a donut if you feel like donuts are nice and they and they like make us feel good and they're mm. nice to eat. Like, why not? Let's have a donut. You know, I'm not saying like we should have you know two with every meal, but if you feel like a donut. Have a donut. Yeah. And but trust it, that you are going to be able to have a donut whenever you feel like one. And then the need to have one all the time goes away. Interesting. So now 
where you, where you are, I mean, we, we said we come back to it, actually. You talked about how Iskra was instrumental during that time when you yes. were on the road back. Yes. And she's been on this show and she is... I just really enjoy spending time with her. And I did very much get the, get the sense she's a girl's girl. And when I interviewed her for this podcast, she was... God, I can't remember how many... I mean, she, had, she has millions of followers, but um, I was just starting... And she went to real lengths to support me. Did and she? Like, yeah, oh, she yeah. put it on her main grid. She put it on her Instagram oh. stories. And listeners, that's a big deal. In <laughs> Seriously, I it think she is. had something like 1.5, maybe it's 5 million yeah. followers. Yeah, she's got around that now, I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, she put it on main grid and was like, I really like what she's trying to do. Like she took the, So I have a lot of time for Iskra, so I'm interested. Yeah. It sounds like she's just very warm and giving to you as well yeah so I I interviewed her for um for hello magazine and I was at the time like in the depths of bulimia and just like in not in a good place and I'd never opened up to anyone about it never ever ever and I just we were having lunch and I just started to cry what she was talking about just really just really struck something in me and I just started to cry and I told her and she was so lovely. She was so sweet to me. And then we did a, a campaign together. Heart Not Hate was the campaign. So was a, there was a picture of us, like, uh, making a, a heart with our, with our fingers. And, um, that was... Seeing her as well and, and everything she stood for and everything she was talking about, not many people were doing it at the mm. time. She, really, she, she was kind of one of, the, one of the first. And to advocate, like, self-love and things like that and it just it really um spoke to me and yeah it really helped me in my in my journey she was a shining light in my journey. she is but she is just one of those people isn't she she, she, she is. does sh- she is a yeah she radiates like yeah. light and just she's lovely yeah. um and so yeah we, in terms of what you were doing I guess has she been instrumental in or maybe not Iska but just the circumstances of then making it a big a big part of what you talk about because I do feel like the the things that you naturally want to bring to the surface come to yeah. the surface. And then yeah. that's obviously what you're moving forward with. Well, it was the moment that I posted that photo. Mm. Um, and I was like, I knew I was never going to go back. Like, th- that was it. That was my purpose then. And suddenly I felt good about social media and excited about it. And like, I'm going to help people. Um, and then I just... And then I started to follow other people who were doing the same mm. thing and it made me feel so good. And I started to diversify my social media feed and, and follow people that were making me feel not so good. And it just, it like snowballed from there. Mm. It really did. Um, and I, I wanted, I want to be on social media who I needed to see when I was, when I was going through such a rough time. Mm. I, I want to speak to that person mm. because I just don't think anyone should deserve to to go through it. I think you're speaking to a lot of people, actually, but I think that's always the case. You aim for one type of person and you end up, obviously, reaching other people. But I think even in this conversation, you've educated me about body positivity because I I said to you beforehand, I find find it somewhat troubling. I I do believe everybody should feel confident. I do feel like everybody should feel comfortable in their own skin because we all know what it's like to be bullied, but... Mm. I also think we have to be realistic about the health issue. But like, yeah. like I said, even this conversation you've yeah. explained, well, they are two separate things in many yeah. ways. 
also, you know, there's there's other terms. There's body positivity, which people can take as a bit like wishy-washy kind of like mm. smiles and rainbows because it's like you have to love everything about your body. But there's body confidence and body neutrality as well, which I think are both just as important um, because you don't have to, like you don't have to love every part of your body. You absolutely don't have to. Mm. There can be bits that you don't, like you don't necessarily think are fantastic and that you want to show all the time, whatever. I think it, it's got to be more mm. about accepting yourself and being confident in your own skin mm. and acknowledging that no matter what it look like, looks like, even if you've got, you know, I don't know, cellulite and stretch marks and all the rest of that, you know, rubbish that people make money out of, even if you've got all that stuff, your body is still worthy of respect mm. and love, mm. yeah, and acceptance. yeah. It's so true, isn't it? And I do think this idea, as you, you mentioned Love Island, so for listeners who don't live in the UK and don't have this, it's a television show set on a... And, well, it's set in a villa, it's not on an island, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but all the girls and boys who are selected to potentially fall in love over a 12-week period tend to be very Instagram-worthy, so yes. slim, ripped, you know, big boobs, yeah. nice tight bottom, all of that kind of... Long legs, all of that. Yeah. And... Um, I've completely forgotten why I was mentioning Love Island because I got caught up in the tight bottoms. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yes, but but it's about not seeing yourself being reflected back. And I think yeah. if that's the if you're measuring your body against what you see on TV, then that's really damaging. And like, I've gone away with with mates, sat around a pool. And I've seen real women. And I remember uh, <laughs> we used to go away with a friend who had a great body and so did her sisters. They really were like <laughs> really, really gorgeous. <laughs> but it was only when I went away with um, friends in the last few years and I have seen people who, do, who aren't naturally model-like. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm not so weird after all. No. But basically it was like I was holidaying with Love Island quality bodies. <laughs> well, yeah, God, no wonder then. <laughs> no wonder. But like I was saying to you before, like if you were to take in a, a, like an average, like just a cross section of society, would you get the people that look like they do on Love Island? No. no. And the, they face backlash for it, Love Island, for this year's lineup, just the lack of diversity. And mm. I think the head of ITV said, um, this isn't the exact quote, so I'm really sorry, but he, it was along the lines of, we want to show diversity, but they also need to be attracted to each other. Oh! I was like, that is, that is rough. <laughs> That is rough, and it's just such <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, like, what what a way to like perpetuate the message to all these young girls that watch it. Yeah. Goodness me. Do you think it's, it's just old fashioned? Do you think it's just another old fashioned thing? Because I'm I'm beginning to worry. I'm 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 at that age, forty one, where I feel like. I'm in this. I, I worry that I'm in a bit of a danger zone now. In that everything that I. Uh, grew up with feeling that I was progressive on so I I, uh, I now need to make sure that I'm using the right vocabulary because the vocabulary I might have used in my 20s right. about issues like race sexuality gender etc might actually be offensive now right. in the way that I sometimes sit with my parents who are <laughs> like yeah. oh no that's definitely <laughs> off the table these days and I and I wonder whether I need to almost like go back to school a little bit and teach myself because 
I, I am coming at some of these new, not new issues, but issues that are being talked about more widely than they perhaps have been and more publicly and openly. And I feel like I need to almost come in as first day of school, not, oh, well, in my old school, we used to say this, you know? Yeah. We, we, yeah, I know. But then I, I'm also more lenient than the average kind of... Um, I feel like people are, are just too hard on other people on social mm. media for not using the right terms or for saying something slightly wrong or whatever. We're all like a product of our society. No one's like trying to be mm. nasty. So I think I think it, it, we, we have to educate ourselves along the way for sure mm. and what's like going on in the current climate and what we, you know, what is offensive. But then, oh, I don't know. I just, I feel like sometimes that stuff's just taken too far. Yeah, I just wonder whether the whole, the, the you know, thin is better is old-fashioned. And yeah. so it will be, it will go the same way of some yeah. of the other arguments that have really progressed recently. Some, or not arguments, some of the other topics that have really progressed recently and that actually that will, be, that will seem like a very, like the idea of um, how I say about couples not, um, gay couples not being able to marry, but... Yeah, well, yeah. That's being, I know, it frightens me, but I just yeah. mean... That will become an yeah. obsolete, the thinking of thin being good in yeah. the way that some of the old restricted... Um, I'm making a mess of this, I, but you know what I mean. I already think that the idea that thin is good is an outdated concept, but then I think I have to bring myself back down to earth and realise that we still live in this diet culture and a society mm. obsessed with being thin. But we'll get there, definitely. Mm. We'll get there. There are more voices. There are, like people like shouting about it mm. and getting angry about it and we'll we'll definitely get there I think and I think what underpins it regardless of what's happening in the society from just listening to you what underpins it's re- what underpins it really is self-acceptance yeah yeah there's like a great meme is that how you say meme it's yeah. <laughs> Unless you watch Real Housewives of Cheshire and Tanya Bardsley, who says Mimi. I watch all the Real Housewives. <laughs> Me too. This is why we're friends. Yeah. I love them. I love them all. It's my favourite thing to do. I know. I woke up I... this morning and watched Real Housewives of New York first thing because last week's was so good was with so Bethany's good. meltdown. <laughs> I'm yet to watch the new episode, but I'm so excited. <laughs> Best series on TV. It deserves an Emmy. Oh yeah. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> meme, meme, brilliant meme. Yeah, I, I, I think I would say men, but yeah, no, it's meme. meme. Yeah. Um, and it's two columns on the left. It's like what I think I need, and it's like you know all the usual washboard abs, white teeth, thin, thin thighs, blah blah blah. And on the right, it says what I actually need, and there's just one thing in the column, which is self acceptance. Mm. And that that's really true. And once once you are able to accept yourself for who you are all the other crap just melts away well, yeah. I know it's easier said than done but if you're but going you... to if you're going to get on the road to something that's a good road to get on right yeah exactly yeah Alex thank you so much for your time oh, I really appreciate me. it you're an absolute sweetheart and I really oh. appreciate you um educating me (laughs) on this because it is I do think it it can be dare I say triggering for some people to talk about these things um but hopefully uh this has been an open and honest conversation and if you're listening you find this has been useful I hope so so. (laughs) all of uh the links to Alex so social media everything else will of course be in the show notes but um for now Alex thank you so much thank you very much 
Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.